today on CityCast Chicago. From politics to families, conflict is always there. And that's okay. But it gets dangerous when it gets to high conflict. So in the research, you see more questions get asked in good conflict. There are flashes of curiosity alongside anger and frustration and sadness versus high conflict, which is just the anger and frustration, right? Journalist and author Amanda Ripley talks to people across the world on why they fell into high conflict and how they get out. One of those individuals is right here in Chicago. Today is Monday, June 7th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. Father Michael Flager said his first mass yesterday in five months at St. Sabina Church. Remember, he had been suspended as the archdiocese investigated allegations of sexual abuse against him. The archdiocese said there was not sufficient evidence to remove Flager. Starting tomorrow, city crews will begin removing manganese from a little league field in the Hedgewish neighborhood. This comes two years after Chicago officials discovered high levels of brain-damaging heavy metal there. The cleanup is expected to take a few weeks. Don't be shocked if someone wearing a yellow Protect Chicago vest shows up on your porch in the next coming weeks. Volunteers are going door-to-door in 13 neighborhoods across the city, answering people's questions about the COVID-19 vaccine and even making appointments. Some good news. The city broke ground on an outdoor skating rink and community plaza in West Garfield Park over the weekend. You already know, as soon as I saw the words skating rink, I had to tell the rest of you. I hope you enjoyed the sun this weekend. It was 90 degrees, but it could get stormy today and showers are likely tomorrow too. For more stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. This book and this conversation find me on a very interesting day because this morning I had a very long conversation with my mom. And one of the things that I noticed throughout my mom's life is that she is extremely well-versed at navigating conflict. And so every time I'm talking with her, and now that she's 50, she turned 50 earlier this year, she makes a point to let me know that at 50, she's not going to deal with the type of conflict that is all-consuming. But throughout my life, I've watched my mom navigate conflict from the family court system with my father to a divorce with my stepfather, and it's a part of all of our stories. That's how I started my conversation with Amanda Ripley. Her new book, High Conflict, Why We Get Trapped and How We Get Out, breaks down the differences between those healthy conflicts, like the arguments you have about a referee's call at a game or with coworkers about a TV show versus high conflict. Those are the fights that make us despise politicians and pundits and contribute to deadly cycles of violence in neighborhoods. One of the main voices in Ripley's book falls in the second category. That's former gang leader, now violence preventer, Curtis Toller, who grew up on Chicago's South Side. After I shared that story about conflict and my mom, Ripley said her interest in the issue also started at home. Yeah, I mean, the deepest interest does also come from my mother, who uh, 
you know, had incredible power to her. And she often was uh, angry when I was a kid. That was like a defense mechanism, right? I now understand that better. But whenever she felt afraid, she got angry. And I have a lot of memories of her, you know, yelling at my dad. Not that he wasn't to blame, but he was quieter. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so there was a lot of conflict in my house growing up. She really believed her feelings, if you know what I mean. Conflict is such a big topic, Amanda, and I feel like it's at the heart of every conversation I have on CityCast Chicago, where whether it's a, a conflict in city government, whether it's a conflict that a local organization is trying to find the resources to meet, if there's a conflict in the art world or whether or not resources will make it to a particular neighborhood, but you write specifically about high conflict. Can you do two things for me? One, can you define high conflict? And two, can you tell me how is that different than the sort of healthy everyday conflict that we experience? Yeah, so high conflict actually comes from family court. Originally, the phrase high conflict divorces, right? These are the kind of divorces that just seem to go on and on in perpetual negative hostile emotion, and they don't go anywhere, right? High conflict is the kind of conflict that can start small, but gradually takes on a life of its own. Our brains behave differently. It usually starts to feel like an us versus them kind of deal. And we start to make mistakes. So the really diabolical thing about high conflict is that eventually everyone suffers to different degrees. But the behavior is the same, whether it's in gang violence, domestic violence, political conflict, um, you know, uh, family conflict, estrangement, all those things, the behavior is surprisingly similar versus good conflict, right? Which is the kind of conflict that we need more of, not less, which can be heated and stressful and intense, but it goes somewhere. So in the research, you see more questions get asked in good conflict. There are flashes of curiosity alongside anger and frustration and sadness versus high conflict, which is just the anger and frustration, right? You have several individuals that you follow in this exploration of conflict, right? You have the mediator turned politician. You have environmental activists, religious figures, but also from the south side of Chicago, like myself, named Curtis Toller. You know, what is the high conflict around Curtis? So Curtis grew up on the south side of Chicago and he started joining his first gang when he was about nine years old. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he joined uh, the Black Peastone Nation and he ended up rising through the ranks and becoming a a pretty, uh, pretty high up leader in that organization for years. And one of the things that really trapped him was a vendetta with the Gangster Disciples, which had lots of history, lots of reasons, but one of the most powerful reasons for him was uh, the murder of Benji Wilson, the high school basketball star, when Curtis was just a kid. The Channel 2 News at 6. Ben Wilson died just... The Simeon High School basketball star died. Ben Wilson's death is a tragedy... Senseless act of violence, he is dead. Ben Wilson's struggle for life ended... Ben Wilson's alleged teenage assailant... It involved an extraordinary young man. He was gunned down. And when he was killed by someone affiliated with the Gangster Disciples, that locked in this narrative, right, that of humiliation, really, that someone up high 
in his group had been brought low. And humiliation is one of the four accelerants that tend to ignite high conflict. And for our listeners, Benji Wilson, again, was the basketball star. I was killed in the mid-80s at Simeon High School. He was actually right down the street from the school when it happened. Uh, that's the school, if you know, Derrick Rose, Jabari Parker. One of the things I find interesting about your book is how solution-oriented it is. But when I think about Curtis, for example, it seems like it took him decades to not only realize he was in this high-conflict cycle, but to find ways to move out. You know, for people growing up on the southwest side of Chicago who might see themselves in very similar situations, I know Curtis and others like him are working to be conflict mediators. But do you think it takes these long life experiences, these battles through high conflict to kind of come out on the other side? Or are there ways to make clean interventions? I absolutely think you can skip those decades of suffering. And that's what Curtis does with Chicago Cred today is help young men and women move through those phases much more quickly than he was able to do. It's a very hard transition to make out of high conflict if you're alone. I'd actually say it's impossible. But if you have an escort, if you have another identity that you're working on, then it's possible, right? So that is exactly what he's trying to do and what he has done with with many young men. So trying to get them to reach what what you might call saturation points, where the costs of the conflict suddenly seem to outweigh the gains. One of the things that's also going to help these situations is, you know, more resources, more opportunities, but those often flow from higher up. But as you have noted, you know, and it didn't obviously just start with 2016, but our political sphere is trapped in a perpetual cycle of high conflict, of identity politics, of, of good versus evil narrative. What are some of your solutions for looking at high conflict in regards to our, not only local politics, but national as well? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about humiliation being one of the four fire starters that leads to high conflict. Another one is corruption. So when the system is corrupt, right, as it is at the national level in, in some ways, and as it certainly has been in Chicago for a long time, right, the first gangs in Chicago were white gangs, uh, political gangs, right? And that goes way back, as you know better than I, that the corruption in Chicago in the criminal justice system, uh, in the school system, in the policing, all of those things corrode the system. And into its place comes revenge, comes vendettas, comes other things, right? So that has to get fixed at the same time. So one thing that's super consistent across every story, everyone I followed who shifted from high conflict to good conflict, including Curtis, is they distance themselves from the conflict entrepreneurs in their lives, right? These are the people, the platforms, the pundits who exploit conflict for their own ends. What I see a lot of in, you know, uh, in the news and social media is a misunderstanding about how to persuade, you know, <laughs> like, Direct arguments do not persuade, especially in high conflict. I can't wait to repurpose this interview for my class because I teach rhetoric and public speaking. And that is one of the things that I I myself have had to work through. You know, it, I'm, you know I'm a cisgender heterosexual man who's been taught that if I make an argument that 
that should be enough. And I've had to teach myself how to gain more perspective, how to pull back, how to not feed into this very unproductive argumentative style in which, like you said, I'm just providing uh, sort of direct argumentation against a point I do not like. But what are some other strategies I can pass on to my students? So one thing I've started working on that's really changed my own behavior in interviews that I do for work, but also in my own life, like as a parent or a a partner, is called looping for understanding, which uh, the conflict expert Gary Friedman in the book taught me. And it's a form of active listening. And it sounds like I hate that because it sounds really like soft and like new agey. (laughs) And that's just not who I am, you know, so, uh, but it's actually super powerful. The basic idea is when someone's talking to me with any heat at all, any level of emotion, even if it's just something they care about, right? They're not angry. Then uh, I try to listen for what's most important to them, not to me, and then distill it into the most elegant language I can muster and play it back to them. And then, this is the part I always used to forget, is check if I got it right. And the thing is you have to do that with a tone of actual curiosity, which requires actual curiosity. And what you realize is when you get it right, it's so cool because it makes you realize how rarely people really feel heard because, you know, we're not really trained, most of us, to listen. I know I wasn't until I was doing the reporting for this book. Amanda Ripley, you are a journalist, a New York Times bestselling author, and your newest book, High Conflict, is available now. I appreciate you for taking time to talk with us at CityCast Chicago. I sincerely say uh, that this conversation was moving and, and so important for me. I appreciate it. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. That's our show for Monday, June 7th. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Man, when the fucking them cicadas coming? Because that we need to get that shit over with. I feel like people have been te- teasing it. When I was in high school, I think it might have been the 13 year it it had to be the 13 year cycle cicadas i remember just going to sleep things were cool and walking out the next day and at first you don't look you just look down and you're like what the hell and it's just all those holes in the ground and i just remember the chills that ran through my body it was so terrifying i was like what the what is this and it's all through the yard and then you look up and we had this huge tree in our backyard we had this basketball rim and you could not see the glass of the basketball rim and you could barely see the trees and oh my it, and then you look on the house and there was just went to sleep one day and you went outside the next day and it was like what the f- uh, that shit was so terrifying